0: Welcome to the Mending Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Hoyt. And along with my sister, Lena Hoyt, a licensed marriage and family therapist, we want to help you recover from trauma. Whether it's childhood trauma, complex trauma, PTSD, or any other trauma sustained from abuse or narcissistic relationships, we want to help you develop skills and ways that can help you to recover from the symptoms and the effects of trauma. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, Amy here. Are you feeling stuck or overwhelmed by things that pop up in your daily life? And perhaps these are because of past traumas or toxic stress. Have you tried traditional therapy and found that it wasn't enough? I know that was the case for me. That's why we developed the Whole Health Lab. Mending Trauma has put together a program that combines the latest research with proven methods to help you recover from trauma and move forward from these daily stressors and triggers. We use somatic therapy, EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, and internal family systems therapy. We use nervous system regulation and many other tools so that we can combine the best methods that are identified in the research to help you recover without being completely overwhelmed. So you can work on trauma on your own pace, your own time, and still with the mentorship and support of a highly trained certified staff. That's us. No more waiting for appointments or sitting in traffic driving to see a therapist. With our online program, the Whole Health Lab, you can access it from anywhere, anytime, even on an app. Visit mendingtrauma.com backslash wholehealthlab and learn more Get your questions answered. We've got a frequently asked questions section and sign up so that you can have this life-changing program in your world today. Don't let your past hold you back any longer. Take control of your future and we can't wait to see you in the whole health lab. Hi everyone, welcome back. Today's episode, we are going to dive into the question of what the difference is between someone who's trauma-informed trauma trained or trauma certified? And this is the question that we see a lot. Um, And so we thought we would add some clarification.
1: Yes. I love this, um, that we're doing this episode, Amy, because I think it will help clarify for a lot of our listeners what kind of mental health professional or what kind of training they're seeking in their mental health professional. Yes, absolutely. So first, let's dive in
0: to what it means to be trauma-informed. And the interesting thing about being trauma-informed is it's typically used to describe an organization or a workplace environment. It can be used to describe a therapist or a professional, but in general, you're going to want a therapist or a professional to either be trauma-trained or trauma-certified. So trauma-informed is really about workplace environment or other environments. And it, the definition that's considered the gold standard here comes out of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. At the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And this is really the organization that kind of set the standard for what it means to be trauma-informed. And so according to them, individual trauma results from an event, a series of events, or a set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being is what constitutes trauma. And this doesn't really, it's not radically different from um, a lot of the other definitions of trauma, but this is kind of their baseline definition of trauma. So Lena, do you want to walk us through kind of The four R's of becoming trauma informed as an organization that um, they recommend?
1: Sure. So, SAMHSA, I believe they came out with this, was it in the late 90s, Amy? Yeah. So, this was really, this was super early on, which I love. And I love that um, the organization that is addressing substance abuse and mental health is so aware early on that trauma is a chief component of addiction. So becoming trauma-informed, SAMHSA uses four R's, it's a rubric, to describe a trauma-informed organization, program, or system. And the first R is realize. Realize the widespread impact of trauma and understand potential paths for recovery. And what we've found is that most people don't realize that they have trauma because a lot of times the trauma can be in significant family relationships and early on and people think well I've never been to war or I've never been raped Um, I've never been in a horrific car accident so I don't have trauma But this R, this realize, is a really important one because it encourages us to broaden our understanding of what trauma is, the impact of it, and what are the potential paths for recovery. And then the second R is recognize. And we want to recognize the signs and symptoms of trauma in clients, in families, in staff, and others involved with the system. This is really important with the recognition,
0: because this is where we start to recognize um, the symptoms of other people. And this is going to be really
1: helpful in the
0: workplace.
1: And if we can't recognize, then we are missing a huge part of the story, Um, One of the things we've been talking about as an organization recently is how we can help teachers who are in a really tough situation understand how to work with trauma and understand the signs and symptoms so that they don't get so burnt out easily. The third R is respond by fully integrating knowledge about trauma into policies, procedures, and practices. And the fourth R is resist actively resist re-traumatization and re-traumatization happens when there's a um, bid for power or there's a huge power differential or you have somebody approaching treatment from um, an authoritarian standpoint where they remove choice and agency from the clients. So these four R's are really valuable for us to use in our homes in our workplaces um, for us to look for in terms of who we go to to help us mend our own trauma.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I'm thinking in a workplace environment, re-traumatization can also occur from microaggressions where you're transported back um, into the same sensations that you experienced perhaps as a child um, where someone, you know, was very cruel to you or dismissive or neglectful. Um, and so this re-traumatization, it's, it's not that a manager or a coworker is trying to re-traumatize a coworker, but with, um, our complex trauma, especially that develops in childhood, we can become very hypervigilant. And so that, transpla- that transfers into the workplace where the pain that we experienced as a child then gets um, those. We bring that same. Activated. Yes. We, we feel activated when someone at work is, is disapproving or, um, you know, gives us disapproves of, of our ideas or is just super dismissive. Um, that can be really actually re traumatizing without any intention
1: of the manager
0: or coworker.
1: Correct. Yeah. And it's not abusive. To be inattentive to a staff is not abusive. To dismiss an idea is not abusive. But if we've had complex childhood trauma, then it can absolutely activate our nervous system. And the nervous system thinks that we're in um, danger, that our life is in danger. That's right.
0: And so I think what I love about being a trauma-informed organization is that even though it's, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a manager or in a position of leadership, or you're just at an organization that you see some kind of maladaptive, you know, dynamics in the workplace, this helps provide a framework of interacting with one another that kind of elevates the workplace if you will. And there's some some guidelines of how to do this. So there's di- there's six principles for becoming a trauma-informed organization and again this comes from SAMHSA. This can be applied to multiple different types of organizations and the exact terminology and application of each setting is going to be sector specific. So if you're working construction versus working in a medical environment These are gonna be very specific to your environment, but these are general guidelines and principles. So the first one is safety. And throughout the organization, employees need to feel physically safe and psychologically safe in order to have a trauma-informed organization. At the very minimum, we need basic workplace safety standards and protocols that are followed. And managers and supervisors who are supportive of workers can create an inclusive environment. And we hear a lot about diversity and inclusion, and this would be the emotional safety that um, is in this principle. So in a workforce development organization, clients or co-workers um, need the ability to feel calm, comfortable, and welcomed in order for their nervous system to be calm enough to perform their duties at um, an adequate level. So when we're in fight or
1: flight, we're not able to work. correct. Yeah, and you know, I think this is really important for our homes, like our homes or organizations, and um, if you have children or a spouse or another loved one who's very irritable and reactive, it would be wise to include some of these principles as you understand how to operate the dynamics in your home. That is an awesome point. I love
0: that. We absolutely have families as organizations. I love that. The next principle of a trauma informed workplace or family or church or whatever it is that you're involved in and you want to become trauma-informed is to have trustworthiness and transparency. You know, transparency is so interesting, especially if we're thinking about power dynamics between managers and workers or parents and children. Um, I know that that can be really uncomfortable. And there, I just want to say there can still be boundaries and there can still be things that are kept um, separate in terms of information sharing. But transparency is really, um, it's not an all-or-nothing principle. You can be transparent um, about decisions without being transparent about um, all of the factors within a decision. So that can help really build trust among staff and clients and family members. And this, this also includes leaders communicating openly and regularly with employees and parents communicating openly and regularly with children um, so that that there's not a big surprise about decisions. And so one, one way we do this in our family, because we do have children who have pretty high anxiety and different needs, um, we try and kind of have an on ramp to big decisions where we're talking about it. We are getting soliciting opinions if appropriate. Sometimes that's not appropriate. Sometimes we are not going to be including the children in our decisions um, because we're the parents and their prefrontal cortex is not completely developed yet. And, you know, our job is to help shepherd them. But as much as possible, we are trying to not surprise them with big decisions.
1: You know, I, I think about Matt and Gina and how they moved. Their, made their move to France a few years ago. And I think about these two principles and how they use those. And um, they had been living in the town we grew up in and had five acres and a lovely house. And both Matt, our brother, and Gina, our sister-in-law, both started having this sense that they needed to go to France And so instead of saying to the kids, we're all moving to France, they said, we have an inspiration. We feel spiritually driven to go to France, but we want every one of you to make your own decision and pray about this decision so that you have your own confirmation that this is what is best for our family right now. And so all the kids did that, and that made the move much more easy and much more beneficial to the family instead of Matt and Gina just saying, we're moving to France. Don't cry about it. Don't, we're supposed to do this. Buck up. It was a really good example of transparency and trustworthiness to me.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you. That's a great reminder of um, how to do that in a family. I love that. The next principle of being trauma-formed is peer support. Supporting one another is really critical. We know from the research in trauma that having community is one of the, like the hallmarks of being able to heal. And so that translates into peer support in the workplace that um, workers at all levels treat each other as human beings who all have experienced at least some toxic stress and trauma and they respect and honor each other's experiences. I think this is particularly critical um, in a divisive world. We live in a world um, that people have very different opinions, there's often a lot of division And I think when we can come to any organization or family honoring and respecting other people's opinions and experiences, that does so much for creating an environment where people feel seen and heard. So the final principle is cultural, historical, and gender inclusion. And this is where we actively move past these stereotypes that are cultural based on race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, age, religion, etc. We want an organization that's inclusive, that doesn't discriminate, that doesn't tolerate racism, discrimination, and actively works to overcome bias. And this is going to absolutely um, help build that trustworthiness, that peer support. This will strengthen all of the other principles. So those are the six principles of being a trauma-informed organization. And as Lena mentioned, um, we do trauma-informed workplace training and are really, really um, passionate about helping organizations become more trauma-informed so that ultimately people are able to do their work to the best of their ability because they're not feeling defended and like they have to protect themselves while they're at work.
1: Yeah. Great, great summation, Amy. I really like all these and it really blows my mind that this came out in 97. Yeah. It was ahead (laughs) of its time for sure. Okay. So we've gone over trauma informed,
0: we're going to go over trauma trained. So being trained in trauma is being trained in um, trauma um, methodologies and practices. And this is typically where you're going to find your therapist or your professional mental health worker being trained in practices such as EMDR, um, internal family systems, uh, brain spotting, um, neurofeedback, and um, different modalities and theories that are going to help them specifically focus on trauma. It might be a surprise to you listeners to understand that until maybe two to three years ago, trauma was not um, necessarily taught or required for therapists or counselors in their curriculum. And so having someone who's trauma trained as a therapist or a counselor um, is very important because you the, the theory of trauma is that really the trauma is um, really at the foundation of impacting your mental health and even some of the diagnosis we see. And so without that training, you have a lack of treating the root cause. And so therapists can take these courses and they're usually standalone or they're a set of trainings and many, many therapists are taking them now, which is amazing. I know when we started Mending Trauma a couple years ago, it was much more um, unusual that people were trauma trained and it's becoming much more common, which I love. You also want to look and see if your counselor is licensed and you can look that up by state. Have they been trained in trauma Um, Some therapists will say they're trauma trained, but they haven't necessarily done specific training in trauma. Um, And I don't think they're trying to be disingenuous, but unless you've done courses in trauma, um, I think you may feel like listening to experience of trauma is enough, but it's not. You really need to understand the foundations of trauma. And trauma trained really means... Understanding the brain body connection and recognizing the most effective ways to treat trauma. So, you really want to look out for someone who understands somatic therapy, who understands nervous system work, who can do EMDR and internal family systems. And these are all things we offer in mending trauma's programs. But if you're looking for to work, you know, in a, with a therapist or you already have a therapist that you're really comfortable with, these are some great questions you can ask them. Um, do you have anything to add for that, Lena, about being trauma-trained?
1: No, I think that's I think that's a great um, way to put it. I love that you pointed out that just because I'm a therapist that listens to traumatic experiences for my clients doesn't mean I'm trauma-trained. And I think that is a really good distinction. Um, because Almost any therapist is going to hear stories, narratives, experiences of trauma. But if you don't understand how your body and your brain, how the somatic um, interventions actually help resolve the trauma, then you're not a therapist who's been trauma trained. And I would
0: say at the very bare minimum... You need a therapist who is going to incorporate the body. So talk as we've, you know, we've mentioned this in, in different episodes, but talk therapy while awesome and helpful is only one piece of healing trauma. And it's not even considered the gold standard for healing trauma you have to involve the body and so that would be the bare minimum to look for for a therapist someone who is doing somatic work or nervous system work with you as well as talking or emdr etc okay the final um piece we wanted to go over is finding someone who is certified in trauma And a certification in trauma is someone who has gone through a comprehensive program that helps um, people realize trauma and trauma recovery. They specialize in it, if you will. And it is offered by universities within their social work or counseling programs right now. And this is a little bit newer, which I'm so excited about. But it's also offered by independent research labs, such as the Trauma Research Foundation, um, which is Bessel van der Kolk's foundation. This is considered the gold standard of working with someone who is trauma certified. And at Mini trauma, we have a trauma certification. And that was really important to us because we wanted to be able to um, understand intimately the best way to treat people with trauma. So, that is essentially the difference between being trauma informed, which is um, mainly for workplace or organizations, trauma trained, which are standalone courses, and trauma certified, which is a certificate program that helps people
1: specialize in trauma and trauma recovery. And, Amy, I want to point out that I'm not trauma certified, but I've been a therapist or I've been practicing therapy under supervision since 99 and then got my own license. And I've been through so many trainings, including two different rounds of EMDR one, two, and three trainings. And I'm, I'm likely to get a trauma certificate because of my experience and my education and the research that we've done in Africa on genocide, trauma, all of that has allowed me to um, have the equivalent of a certification. And so I don't want people out there to miss the opportunity to work with someone just because they're not trauma certified. Although if you're working with someone who's not licensed, a trauma certification, maybe for coaching, um, maybe you're going to a life coach and they have some trauma certification, that would be really valuable.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, it's, it definitely is the gold standard in the field of trauma to be certified. And not having a trauma certification does not mean you're not a valuable therapist. Um, So within Mending Trauma, we, I hold the trauma certification, Lena holds the license and the EMDR training, and then Wendy, another partner of ours, holds the neurofeedback training. So you know, if you're working with an organization that has spread out their certifications and their trainings, then that is also very beneficial. Okay, let's just um, really quickly recap. We've got the trauma-informed, we've got the trauma-trained, and the trauma-certified, and essentially all are wonderful, but they're, they're um, used in different ways. And Again, if you have any questions ever about an episode, just shoot us an email at hello at mending trauma. And we're just grateful that you're here with us each week and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mending Trauma podcast. Lane and I are really grateful that you spend time with us each week. We know you have a choice and that time is currency. We would love if you would share this episode on social media and tag us so we can reshare. If you feel so inclined, go and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to pods so that we can get the word out and help more people. We know that we are all working hard on our mental health and we wish you great success this week in implementing these new skills. We'll check in next week.